This is part two of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. So let's I wanna I wanna just talk real quick about the general look of the cottage style rocket mass heater. So I've described where there's a an indentation on the front and at the bottom of the indentation is the wood feed. And um now there's a riser inside of it. And the uh, so then the you know it's like a, it's a J tube system, right? Correct. So the um, the wood feed goes in vertically. The bottom of the sticks burn. Uh, the fire burns sideways, and then uh, uh, it goes up in a riser, and then um, uh, it's going to get to the top of the barrel, and it's going to then behave like a conventional J tube system where the heat hits the top of the barrel and then it goes down the sides. Correct? Correct. It goes down the inside of the barrel. We have, rather than um, uh, exactly like a uh, a, um, a standard six-inch J-tube would uh, behave, uh, with the exception that instead of that being a large hollow space, uh, we've filled that entire area with thermal mass and given ourselves uh, a couple of, of uh, appropriately sized um, uh, exhaust tubes going down through the mass, um, we put them toward the outside of the barrel uh, for the purpose of having some quicker heat response, um, but uh, they go through the mass uh, to either side of the J-tube, past the J-tube, uh, past the heat riser, uh, past the, uh, the burn uh, chamber uh, into uh, a hollow space at the bottom of the uh, of the 50 gallon drum that houses this whole thing, and that area acts as kind of a manifold, uh, and there's the exhaust goes out the side of it into a standard uh, uh, wood stove uh, chimney or um, into a, a, a bench or a bell for further radiation if you've got a decent enough uh, draw uh, to get that thing hot enough to be radiating off of more than those surfaces. So it's possible that uh, that this could be modified to be uh, a, a shippable core in itself, and that when you receive it, then you would need to fill it with cob or pea gravel. Right. Okay. Um, and now the, the riser on it is not as tall as the risers in a standard J2. Um, and it's kind of like, I, I think that what I was hearing was, is that while on the rest of the systems here, we're seeing like 90 to 96% efficiency because, um, uh, when we're measuring them with the testo, uh, and then, but the cottage style wasn't getting that high, wasn't it? It was like 65% or something like that, wasn't it? 
So our, our when we were running the cottage rocket outside with a short chimney, um, uh, our so our heat riser in the co- in the cottage rocket that's in your workshop uh, is actually cast in cob. It's not insulated as is the uh, standard gospel uh, um, way of doing things with uh, rocket heaters. Um, and uh, it ha- and so with a short chimney, we found that uh, it performed uh, more poorly than we expected. Uh, you know, about uh, 70% efficiency. Um, uh, uh, but, uh, the, once we stuck it in the, um, uh, in the workshop and had a 20 foot, uh, insulated, um, chimney on it, sucking, uh, the, uh, sucking the exhaust through, uh, it suddenly, uh, began to perform much, much better. Um, and I was hoping that, that we'd get the testo on that um, after uh, it was installed, uh, but I, I ran out of time for that. I don't know that it happened. Uh, when we're when we've built these since then, um, we found that uh, uh, building the um, the heat riser instead of casting it into cob, um, which will work with a good tall insulated chimney. Uh, we built it out of uh, split insulated fire brick, um, and uh, that gave us enough of a chimney effect um, to really boost the efficiency above uh, what we are seeing with your uh, with the one in your workshop. Um, to the extent that we were able to um, add a, a bell on top, and we were able to fire it up uh, very easily um, without. Uh, Without having to uh, uh, fiddle with warming the exhaust or anything like that, um, so the insulated uh, heat riser or a really good insulated chimney um, does wonders for this design uh, to make it uh, efficient and really hot, so that you can uh, put uh, extra um, uh, radiant surfaces on it. So now. I want to say that the thing that I like best about the cottage style rocket mass heater is the idea that, um, and, and when it comes to the mass, so the idea is, is that you would add a mass to the top of the barrel. Um, and that rather than having five tons of cob that you would try to heat to about 120 or 140 degrees, that instead you would have a quarter ton of cob that you might try to heat to 500 degrees. Correct. And so then, and then that would sit on top of the barrel. Um, and, and so then, uh, uh, it would get heated up, the fire would go out and then it would continue to radiate heat for, um, days. But well, maybe maybe a day. I mean, it's going to cool much faster because it's not as big. That's correct. And you're definitely not going to want to sit on it or anything like that. It's going to be kind of up and out of the way and 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 uh, uh, managing heat up there. But you know, with a rocket mass heater, there's a couple of things we're generally shooting for: uh, a very clean burn, 
Um, and and then of course this this whole concept of the uh, when you wake up in the morning you're still warm. Uh, and uh, uh, in this particular case with this particular installation that doesn't have that mass on it because we want instant heat. We want we don't want to put the heat into that cold mass. We want to heat the shop as fast as we possibly can. And so, um, and then, and then when the fire goes out, we know it's going to start getting cold. So you gotta, you know, you're, you're going to want to mitigate that just like you would for most shop heaters, uh, which is that, you know, while, as soon as the fire goes out, you start getting cold. So this is kind of like what this is going to do. Now, um, for all the rocket mass heaters, the cottage rocket mass heater doesn't burn quite as clean as, as all rocket mass heaters, but, it does a pretty decent job, and it has a tiny footprint, um, and it could be augmented in many ways. And so then the heat that goes, you know, for for stuff on top of the barrel, you could have a mass, or you could have an oven, or you could have a cooktop. Um, yes, so or a bell. Yep. Or yeah, you could do more to extract more heat and and things of that nature. So yes. I, I I think that the, uh, the, the the cottage style rocket mass heater is is a powerful winner. It's a it's a great uh, a great solution for tiny houses. Now, um, in a moment, we're going to talk about uh, comparing the cottage style to the cyclone style, which is a very new design. Um, uh, now we've had some people say like, well, this is kind of like that design that that Kirk did, you know, three years ago or something like that. But it's like, no, I. It's it's got its own stuff going on there. It is it's it's definitely crossing some new boundaries and doing some some fascinating and new things. But I do think that that the cottage style has a lot of promise in a lot of different areas, and I do think that it could potentially be a, a really decent uh, shippable core unto itself. I understand that um, like UPS will ship a barrel. Provided that it doesn't um, get too heavy, mm-hmm. so but they're they're all set up to ship barrels, and it's like uh, um, you know, so a fifty-five gallon barrel could be all configured and ready to roll out as as a rocket mass. That could be uh, a shippable core, and the co- like as you said earlier, the cost of materials is less than a hundred bucks, and so then it's like. Wow, this this could be quite the solution for a lot of stuff. All right, anything else about the cottage style rocket mass heater? No, I think that I think that covers it really well. Okay, now let's go into uh, talking about the the cyclone stuff. So the cyclone rocket mass heater is what's in the the red cabin now, and it is a four inch system. Batch box. So the the uh, the box. So basically, a four inch system. If you have a, like, if you go and use the J tube four inch system that is a mini mouse, then it's like you're you're kind of it's it's the the wood you're putting in there is basically kindling. Um, yes. It's it's um, the interior is a little less than four inches by four inches. Uh, and so you stand your sticks up in that, and it's like um, 
Uh, it's it is a tiny, tiny wood feed, and and so you're going to you're going to have to burn wood there for a while to 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 get to get things feeling pretty warm. Um, right. But you're in a tiny space, so it's it's not going to be that bad. I mean, when when you're using um, mini mouse, how long did it take you until that space was warm? I'm going to guess 20 minutes. Yeah, not even 20 minutes. It was pretty responsive. Okay. It was pretty oh, responsive. And part of that is is that it doesn't have a lot of mass, and so it's right. going to dump its heat into the room pretty quickly. But we're going to talk more about that in a moment. Now, the cyclone heater is a different story. And now the red cabin, um, it, it has poor insulation in the walls and ceiling. No insulation on the floor. And so, in fact, you know, when you're standing there using it, you can kind of look at the floor, and there's gaps between the floorboards, and you can see between those gaps and see to the dirt ground outside. So <clears throat> the need for some for, for mass is really important there if you're going to be warm when you get up in the morning. Yeah. Now, in that case, if you walk in there and it's totally cold and you start running a fire in there, it's going to be two hours until you until you feel warm. Um, fair? Yes. Yeah. Now, there's a couple – got to describe the cyclone heater a little bit. Uh, there's the casserole door, which is a glass lid that kind of uh, sits at a, I'm going to say, a 70-degree angle. Um, so that way the lid sits down onto mm. something, but it's it's kind of a, it's not, like if it was a 90-degree angle, then that would be vertical and the lid would fall off. So it's got a slight angle to the opening, and the lid sits on on that angled, ang- angled steeply angled platform. <clears throat> which is the hole into the batch box. So the, the, it, you can put a lot more wood in there at once than you can in your typical four-inch system. Probably four and a half times more wood all at once in your batch box system. And then at the back wall of the box is where the riser is. And there's a, a slot there where the... Uh, the heated gases go in, and they get mixed, and they continue to burn. Um, and then there's a riser there, which insulates that burn and uh, forces the heat to go way up. And so you're, you're trying to get to temperatures of, like, probably in that system, you probably are looking at temperatures of, I'm going to guess, 1,800 degrees. Um, whereas your conventional wood stove is probably burning at about a thousand degrees, so so the cyclone's going to get much much hotter than that. And then um, there's a brick chamber. So now again, the red cabin. This is a this is a, the cyclone heater is a tiny house rocket mass heater. So I would say that it's the size of it is comparable to a 55 gallon drum. But it's entirely masonry, and it's a box shape. So when you're facing it, it's it's narrower side to side than a 55-gallon drum, 
but it's deeper. Uh, does, does that sound fair? Yes. Yeah. And it's also a little taller than a 55 gallon drum. Um, and it's kind of got this, uh, this nice arched top. Um, and, uh, it, it kind of a, a cathedral roof, a cathedral ceiling on it of sorts. But the riser goes up inside of this chamber. And so there's a big box to hold all those gases, to hold all those hot gases after they come up from the riser. Then uh, the gases are extracted from the bottom, and uh, there, there's just uh, uh, some stovepipe back there, four-inch stovepipe, taking those gases out through the roof. So now um, the heat is being pumped into all of that masonry. So there's a bunch of bricks, and there's a bunch of um, uh, uh, sand and clay that's acting as a mortar. And then on the outside, it's got a big ceiling layer of plaster. So what happens is, is that all that mass gets heated up. All of that masonry gets heated up. Um, uh, there's heat that comes out the glass lid when you're, whenever the fire is going, but it's, it's not an enormous amount. And so basically, in order to be able to heat the room, you gotta heat all those bricks. You only get the heat really coming into the room once those bricks, once all that masonry is, is adequately heated up. Um, and so then what that, what that means is, is it can take a couple of hours to get to the point that it's warm. Now, if, if the room, if, if the red cabin were totally insulated, I would guess that probably 40 minutes would be warm enough. But the red cabin's not insulated. It, it's so poorly insulated, it's, it's fair to say it's not insulated. Um, yes. And so in which case, the, now, now the next thing is, is like, oh, okay, now it's been two hours. The room is, is plenty warm. Uh, and so you stop feeding the fire. Now, an interesting side effect is that the room then continues to get warmer because all that masonry has been heated up to maybe, I don't know, I'm going to pick a number. I'm going to say 160 degrees. And so mm -hmm. it continues to pump out a lot of heat even though the fire is out. So the room actually is going to get a little warmer still after the fire goes out. <clears throat> and then comes the big test, which is like how warm is it in there in the morning? And, and that's a big part of what rocket mass heaters are shooting for. We're not trying to make it – because a lot of people, they'll, they'll put a big fat log on the fire at night, and they want it to keep going all night long if possible. And then they wake up in the morning, and it's still freezing cold in their house. Um, and so we, you know, what we want to do is to have the, have the room be very warm, quite warm, comfortably warm, 70 degrees in the morning. So if it's 75 at night, when you go to bed, we want it to be a nice 70 in the morning. Uh, that's, that's a big part of our mission with rocket mass heaters. And so, um, when it, like, let's 70, like, let's say it's 75 or better, uh, when you let the fire go out, it, it might touch on to 80 two hours later. 
but you will be at 70 in the morning in the red cabin, which is poorly insulated. Does that seem about right? Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great thing. But the I think now is a good time to point out another thing to compare the cottage style to the cyclone. The cottage style, how long did that take to build? Mm, the uh, as as a as a dirty whack job, we could do one in uh, we can do one in a day. In a day. All right. Um, yeah, of course. I, I could do one in I could do one in half a day uh, because uh, because my uh, joints look like garbage. Uh, doing it right so it looks nice uh, a day. A day. Okay. Now in this particular case, we had to you know uh, uh, route some duct up through the roof and and uh, um, you know put in so so put in a chimney system there. Whereas in the red mm-hmm. cabin, a chimney system already existed. Um, right. And uh, so there's there's a bunch of this and that and the other that had to go on. And so I think that the cottage rocket ended up being, and we added some stuff to it so we could get more heat out of it before sending it outside. So I'm going to say cottage rocket two and a half days. And, and, a, and probably a half day was like having to put in the chimney. Um, to to yep. go through the roof and 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 stuff like that, um, and then the cyclone heater that ended up being probably closer to six days, um, right? And it, because there was a lot of masonry there that that went on, and it and it is a beautiful thing, um, but it 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 was it's a slower build. It's it's just a slower build. Uh, it's, it's so uh, um, so, there's, so there's part of the trade-off between the two designs. Um, yes. And uh, uh, there's a lot more mass with the iPhone than there is with the cottage style. But I mean, like you know, it could be done different too. The the mission was different. Uh, you know, heating a shop is a very different mission from heating a cabin. So right. So, all right, the, the, the cyclone style. Now, now, the other thing is, is that we were talking about the casserole door, um, and that's a that's a com- that's a combined effort between you and Kirk uh, coming yes. up. So, uh, uh, and uh, uh, we tried that. We also we also did a casserole door uh, up on the the double shoebox design up at Allerton Abbey, and we. We lost two of the lids. They broke. They shattered. Um, and so what we did was is that we um, added a lot more cob to the door to move the door further away from the fire. And right. uh, put a new door on that, and that one hasn't broken yet. So um, that is that is a, a possible side effect is that the the casserole door could totally break and. And there's some discussion on permies.com about you know different kinds of glass that can be used that that would do better. Um, and yes. people that have that have used some of these. So there's that amber glass, that amber colored glass, which is a different kind of glass that is designed for high temperatures. But one person said that they tried one of those, and theirs broke. Um, uh, and then there's like soda glass versus borosilicate glass. The borosilicate should do much better. 
I'm not sure what kind of glass the casserole door is at the Cyclone right now. Um, I have t- I have two comments about that. Okay. Um, the first being that Pyrex is a brand name, and uh, it used to be that Pyrex was a high temperature, not not silicate wood stove glass temperature, but still fairly high temperature uh, resistant glass. Um, and uh, the company that bought the name has been marketing. Um, the last several years, the, the, what they've been selling as Pyrex is no longer Pyrex in the classic sense of something able to handle high temperature, high temperatures like the old stuff does. Um, the other, the other two things I've noticed on it is that, um, it's very tempting to, uh, I've done this myself, it's very tempting to, uh, use the casserole dish lid while the cob is still damp um, so that you can have it kind of seal together well. Um, and the uh, the damp cob and the heat of the fire and the steam uh, have broken several lids for me. Um, and uh, uh, the, the third thing is that uh, if you... Uh, but yeah, having it built out further away, um, uh, and uh, uh, just like any wood stove that you see that has a glass door, has a, a uh, it's designed that all of the air or most of the air that comes into that wood stove has to wash over that glass, uh, partly to keep it clean in a sooty environment, and uh, uh, and partly to keep it cool. So if we put this thing on in a place that gets uh, super hot, um, it's going to have issues um, that it wouldn't if it had an air wash or was further away. And um, and also, uh, if you're picking these things up at a thrift store for a, for 50 cents a piece uh, and you get several of them, um, uh, then uh, you're going to be in a better place than, than if you're... Uh, than if you don't. So now there's lots of different kinds of glass, and um, we were talking about that in this thread about the casserole door uh, out of Permies. And uh, uh, so there's, you know, uh, used to be that the Pyrex stuff was borosilicate, and then Pyrex changed almost, including all their ovenware, to soda glass, which tends to explode in ovens. And a lot of people are really upset, but it seems like Pyrex doesn't care, and they're still doing the soda glass. So, yep. uh, and then there's the glass that's used for uh, stove doors, which I can't remember what it's called, but apparently that's the same stuff that's in that amber glass. So um, when you get that amber cookware, um, then... Uh, uh, I, I believe that those are the same kind of, that's the same kind of glass. So it should be able to tolerate much higher temperatures. And I seem to recall, so like a, a conventional wood stove generally gets up to about a thousand degrees. Um, uh, and that's during a relatively hot burn for a conventional wood stove. And I think that that amber glass can tolerate a temperature, if I recall correctly, of 1300 degrees. Um, and I think that the um, 
borosilicate is supposed to be able to handle up to, I think, 900 degrees or 1,000 degrees, and that the soda glass can is supposed to be able to handle up to 450 degrees. Um, and, you know, so... Anyway, it's it's the amber glass would be the best stuff, but we're still seeing people having problems with that. Um, I think that there's a, there's a, like we're seeing a lot of people testing a lot of different kinds of glass for a lot of different scenarios. But yeah, the key is move the glass a little ways away. Now, one of the things that's that's a cautionary tale about glass with rocket mass heaters is that we're trying to push for temperatures above 2,600 degrees a lot of times, which none of the glasses can tolerate. Um, and the other thing is, is like, okay, if you want to be able to look at the fire, then it's kind of like, all right, so at that point in the fire, the fire is, you know, not that hot. Um, but the other thing is if you put glass there, then it, it effectively cools the fire. Whereas we want to try to, to insulate the, the burn tunnel to get it hotter, 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 hotter as it's on its way to the riser where it'll get even hotter still. So we want to super insulate everything. And so then it's a little risky to be playing with glass because then that's that's not insulating. That's letting the heat out um, before it's had a chance to reach the temperatures that we want to get a complete burn. So you got to be careful. you got to, you know, got to be careful with with. Don't use too much glass. Don't let the glass get too close to the fire, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So glass, glass is something to be really careful with in rocket mass heater stuff. That said, as we mentioned earlier, um, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful solution. Um, uh, basically, uh, um, you're, you're going to replace um, uh, three to seven days of, of fabricating a metal door and frame uh, to hold the door up because the frame is more than half of the work to hold the door on with such simple cob and a glass, a 50 cent glass lid from a secondhand store. Um, it's like such a brilliant, brilliant solution. <laughs> and I still feel so much shame in that I didn't think of it years ago. And I'm grateful that, that you and Donkey came up with this. Uh, what a what a magnificently simple solution. Uh, it works. All right. Um, uh, one important thing to point out about the Cyclone heater, there's no barrel. There's no barrel at all. So um, for a lot of people, they're like, they're, they they're feel so strongly that they, they can't have a rocket mass heater in their home because they can't have a barrel. And it's like, well, you could totally fabricate that general barrel shape or go with something else. It's like, here is a solution that doesn't have any of that. Now, there's a trade-off to not having something that looks like a barrel or an actual barrel. And that is that you don't get as much instant heat. Now, in the past, we've had concerns about uh, people are like, oh, can I put cob over all of my barrel? And we're kind of like, no, you can't. You need those gases to cool off so that way you can now push those gases through all your ductwork. 
And, um, and plus it adds a, a secondary thermosiphon as it's a downward thermosiphon as those gases are, are cooling. And, uh, so it's like, that's a, that's an important component. So here, Donkey has come up with a solution. And so I, maybe I should, yeah, when I say Donkey, it's the same person as Kirk Mobert. Uh, he has come up with, uh, this, this, this solution where you don't have to have those, those gases getting cooled by the barrel. Um, but it would be nice to heat the space up faster and have a mass. Um, and I, and I kind of think that, you know, cause one of the, the designs that Donkey fiddled with for a while was to, um, have a stratification chamber mass that was going to be, um, uh, you know, going underneath the bed in there. Um, but, uh, I don't know. He, he went through, like I said, six or seven different designs before choosing to do this particular design. Uh, and, and it's like, it, there's upsides and downsides, but it definitely does keep that space warm until morning. But, um, it's going to be very slow to heat up. And, and then, and then once the fire goes out, it's going to continue to warm the space, probably making it, you know, possibly too warm for a couple of hours. Um, all right. Let's see. I'm looking at my notes. Um, uh, there, that's all. There's something. I, that's all the notes I have for the cyclone heater. Do you got anything else to add for the cyclone heater? So the um, uh, the stability of temperature that we're looking for for uh, living space uh, is uh, is fantastically provided for with this. Uh, um, with the cyclone heater, um, we can you know, the um, the flexibility of the cottage heater uh, of being able to add more mass um, if we want um, or have less mass uh, uh, is is really nice to use it for a workshop or a greenhouse or a, or a cottage. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, that we deal with with natural buildings is that uh, when you use a lot of cob uh, or earthen pl- heavy earthen plaster for a building that you're only using on for a weekend, and then you spend the first day of your time there trying to make it warm enough to be comfortable, uh, and then you go home after you've got it nice and warm, so you've got the place comfortable for the next day or maybe two. Um, and you're not there, it kind of, uh, ruins the point of it, um, of having had, uh, this eco-friendly, um, uh, heater to begin with. Um, so, uh, so being aware of the benefits and limitations of thermal mass, like, yes, it will continue to heat up after you stop stoking it, um, because you know, if you got a three and a half inch thick of brick um, and another uh, inch of plaster, um, it's going to be four and a half hours before you're getting the hottest of the fire into the room um, at all. Uh, you're going to slowly heat up. You're going to slowly become more comfortable. 
Um, and one of the benefits of that barrel, and it doesn't have to even be barrel shaped. You can build a box. Uh, a lot of these heaters that we're seeing coming out of, um, uh, out of, uh, Croatia and Ukraine and stuff, um, are square, uh, and they're using rocket technology inside of that, but they're replacing the barrel with something square because they may as well if they're building the thing anyway. Um, round works better for a number of reasons, but it doesn't have to be round. Um, the, uh, uh, and, and just make this, make the, 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 uh, appliance appropriate for the space. Um, and, uh, uh, and I love, uh, the cottage, or not the cottage rocket, but the, uh, the, uh, Kirk Mobert's design for, uh, getting lots of thermal mass into a small space. I mean, this is, this is a rocket, but this is a batch rocket based masonry heater, basically. Um, and, uh, and if you're wanting to build something in a legal way, um, uh, in a way that an insurance company will accept, um, that's, that's a, a great place to start. Uh, so I'm going to build a masonry heater. Uh, okay, what are the rules for masonry heaters? You can go look that up on the internet. Um, and, uh, uh, and it's pretty well defined, uh, in the code. Uh, and that, uh, masonry heater of, uh, Mobert's, that, uh, that, uh, uh, cyclonic heater, um, I almost called it a colonic heater. Um, uh, that cyclonic <laughs> heater, um, uh, fits the definition of, of a masonry heater so it's easy to legally build. Um, and that's an important thing for widespread uh, adoption. Um, so uh, that I would encourage people to go look up masonry heaters and, uh, and wood stoves and fireplaces, what the code says about those in your state. Um, because, uh, the rocket falls squarely between all those definitions and becomes problematic. It's possible to build a rocket, um, uh, so that it's legal. Um, and it ends up looking a lot like, uh, the cyclonic heater that, uh, Kirk built. Let's build more of them. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think it's a, I think it's going to be, a design that a lot of people are going to, to adopt. Um, and and I, I want to see a lot more testing, a lot more use. And, uh, and on top of that, even if, uh, even for here, um, I'm kind of curious how well it does when we get into the really cold weather, because during the jamboree, it was like freezing every night. Um, but it wasn't getting down to like zero or below zero or anything like that. So I'm kind of curious how to do, but, but for just day to day use, I kind of wonder if like, um, for, for that style, would you choose to like, would you end up doing like an hour burn every night or like once a day, would you run it for an hour and then that would be plenty of heat or, um, is it something where you'd have to, to put a fire in it twice a day? Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like how, how, like what, what ends up being how you use it compared to other rocket mass heaters. Now, I, I kind of think about like in that space, I would have 
I, I, I'm still kind of curious, like how a, a conventional wood stove or a conventional rocket mass heater uh, with the mass going under the bed would have turned out. But this is a new large positive. So I'm I'm glad that this was the design. Are you ready to go on to the next one? Yeah. Let's do the season extender, which is right outside the red cabin. Um, now, has anybody has anybody fired that thing up since uh, since we were there? Nope. 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 So, mm. uh, uh, I I think that it probably. I mean, first of all, we got to finish building the uh, um, the the hugelkultur on it. I mean, there's mostly a hugelkultur there, but but we need to add a lot to it still. And um, uh, then it needs to be properly mulched and then fired up. Um, so it's possible that this spring we will see if, if we can start, like, planting tomatoes uh, a month early outdoors or something like that. That will be an interesting thing to do. So now one the- of the big things that you notice when you walk up to the season extender um, the the I mean you can see that it's got a bunch of barrels on the inside, and I believe you said it has seven barrels. Uh, making of this, are they welded together? They are welded together. Yes. Okay. All right. So there's seven full barrels welded together to make something that's the sh- basic shape of a Pringles can uh, on its side and perfectly level. And that is the stratification chamber. Um, and then it's wet tolerant. The whole system should be able to tolerate rain for decades. Um, That's the idea. And the inside of the barrel is really different. Do you want to describe that? <clears throat> so we've done a couple of things there. We started out with a basic... 8-inch uh, standard uh, rocket heater uh, J-tube core made with um, uh, fire brick and uh, full-size fire brick and full-size insulated fire brick. We used the uh, full-size fire brick in the front where we're dropping the, uh, uh, the wood in uh, where it gets banged up, and we used the, uh, the insulated fire brick for the heat riser. Um, the heat riser comes up inside of a, uh, a um, two uh, 50-gallon drums welded to each other to make a taller drum. Um, and that entire um, that, that entire uh, chamber is actually insulated um, so that because uh, we don't really care to be uh, radiating all that heat out into the outside world. Uh, we want that heat as much as possible to go down into the ground, into our, uh, our heater. Um, so the, um, so we insulated the inside of that, um, uh, that entire, uh, uh, barrel, uh, set up with, uh, perlite and ceramic wool. Um, and, uh, we left a, a manifold space at the top of the heat riser 
um, that, uh, and there's an exhaust tube going down inside of the insulation, inside of this barrel setup, uh, into our, um, into our Pringles can, if you will, into our, our cylinder that's sitting under the, um, uh, under the Google culture. Uh, it's about seven barrels long. If I had it to do over again, I would have it be five barrels long. Um, because, uh, we ran the calculations by Peter and, uh, and he said seven barrels. Um, and I'm thinking late with based on later conversations that we actually had a misunderstanding in conversation and that, uh, five, seven barrels was pushing the envelope a lot more than we were planning to. Um, it works. Um, but, uh, uh, that, um, those, those seven barrels, uh, are the radiant surface and, um, uh, and I think we'd be better off with five barrels to have less radiant surface, to have more heat left in the system as it leaves uh, the ground, especially in the middle of winter when it wants to be one big frozen lump. But we left the ends exposed um, uh, for uh, inspection purposes uh, so you can pop the end off and you could even climb in there and clean it out, or clean ash out if you needed to. Um, but we also left the one end by the, uh, the feed tube, uh, exposed to give you a warm place to sit, um, while you're feeding it. Because, uh, my experience is that nobody feeds a rocket's, a rocket heater unless there's a convenient, cozy place to sit where you can feed it. Uh, that's the case in my house. Um, uh, people will enjoy sitting on the bench, uh, but if, if it's not convenient to reach around to drop another piece of stick in, they, they won't. Um, so we're trying to convince people, uh, by having a warm spot, uh, to sit, to contemplate the universe, um, trying to convince them to stay there and feed the thing. Um, the, uh, uh, the exhaust then from leaving the, uh, uh, um, from leaving this um, uh, heat exchanger, uh, uh, the, the, the horizontal barrels um, <clears throat> actually goes back up um, and out through the original, the manifold uh, where the uh, original uh, exhaust exits the, uh, the heat riser um, because we're trying to add a little extra heat so that uh, to the to the f- a chimney because a chimney stops working if it doesn't have enough heat left in it and it's our experience that uh, that if the space around your heat exchanger gets too cold like that it's a big frozen lump that hasn't been heated for a while um, that it's that the chimney is actually not going to work and you're going to end up uh, with a plug full of, uh, of very cold steam, um, sitting there in the, in the rocket and it won't actually work. But, uh, we ran the final chimney, not just by the side of the, uh, the, the, the top barrel, but actually through the middle of the top barrel where it gets hot enough to give it a little more heat, um, to help pull that big chunk of cold air out. And that seems to help, especially when you're getting started. Um, uh, to, uh, to get things moving smoothly. Um, and in fact, that's something I'm 
doing with uh, other uh, with with other builds that I'm doing now is uh, I want a little bit of heat um, uh, left uh, put back in the in the the exhaust. And of course, the heat is being pulled out. So the um, and I'm going to continue uh, doing that. I really like how that turned out. Okay. So the, the heat's being pulled out from the bottom of the stratification chamber. And, uh, now, and did, now I just put out a new video yesterday about stratification chambers. Did you see it? Uh, no, I didn't if it was yesterday. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's basically just a clip from the Ford DVD set, uh, Better Wood Heat. Um and uh, it's like seven minutes, but it includes my little animation of like what is a stratification chamber. And um, so, so basically, the idea is we've got this this large area, which is made of seven um, uh, barrels, and uh, we 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 dribble heat into that large area, and we assume that the heat is going to try to rise in there, and then we're going to pull. Uh, exhaust gases out of the bottom of that, and then uh, so then eventually this 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 large room will fill up with just warm air and will only be sucking out the, the cooler gases. Right. And then the hotter stuff goes to the top, and uh, the cooler stuff's at the bottom. And and it's like, but you you've got to have it. A chamber of a certain size for this system to work. If, if your chamber is too small, uh, it doesn't stratify. And and, and if your and if your chamber is too big, you can take too much heat out so that the exhaust actually won't rise when it gets out of there. That's true too. Which is another reason, another really great reason why what you're doing here is you've got the vertical exhaust actually in the barrel uh, to get. Uh, uh, to get heated up. And this is, uh, inside the, the, the barrel that's your typical barrel for a rocket mass heater. So, this is a rocket mass heater where the mass is a garden bed outdoors, although generally this design would be inside of a, a greenhouse. So we've got a lot of people putting rocket mass heaters in greenhouses, and they're learning that the designs for homes don't work well because they're not wet tolerant, so this is a wet tolerant system. Right, okay. right. There, we're also learning that they have uh, limitations in working well because the the thermal mass and the um, characteristics of the removal of heat from your exhaust vary wildly over the season. Um, we found that out the hard way by putting a an exhaust through a floor, through a cop floor one time, and it worked stupendously until somebody went on vacation and it froze hard, and then we couldn't get the darn thing to stay lit uh, anymore um, uh, without uh, additional um, uh, uh, help uh, in the form of a uh, um, of a blow. Or fan, the duct fan on the top of the chimney, um, because the uh, the floor being too cold took too much heat out of our exhaust. So uh, uh, a um, so in a greenhouse, um, your uh, the heat that gets uh, taken out of that stratification chamber um, might vary wildly between uh, a fall day 
the, that you're just trying to uh, uh, keep the uh, the tomatoes going longer uh, versus uh, the middle of February when you're trying to get everything thawed out so that you can start the uh, the cold hardy um, uh, uh, the, the next batch of cold hardy uh, leafy greens or whatever. So um, uh, one of my solutions to that is this. Uh, uh, is heating the, ch- uh, the, the chimney uh, from the exhaust, bringing it back by and, 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 and heating it from the exhaust. I got the idea from watching uh, what you did up at the uh, teepee, uh, bringing the, the whole thing around to uh, uh, give it just a little bit of a, a heat boost before it left um, while uh, bringing the exhaust up near the, the, the barrel. And I thought, well, if it works uh, for that, well, it ought to work better if I put it through the barrel, especially if I don't want any heat coming out of the top barrel. I think, I mean, one of the things that we're differentiating between when it comes to the, the vertical exhaust, there's going to be uh, rocket mass heater systems that are more efficient. So, like, you know, possibly you could heat your home with one-twentieth of the wood of a conventional wood stove versus rocket mass heaters that are easy to use, and maybe they will heat your home with one-fifth the wood. Um, and, you know, the, the big difference, I one of the big things to get an easy-to-use system versus a more efficient system is, I believe, to put the vertical exhaust very near the barrel. And so then if you've done a good job of extracting a lot of heat from uh, from the exhaust, then it's like, okay, now let's warm that exhaust up a little bit more to get it to go out. So now you actually have a tertiary thermosiphon. Um, you know, a lot of times when your system is just getting started, because you've kind of, with a full-size rocket mass heater, a lot of times um, if your system's totally plugged, like you, you've elected to plug the system, you've, you've put a physical barrier over the exhaust, it's like you get two or three minutes to run the system before it starts to smoke back. Um, but then, so you've got basically two to three minutes to warm that vertical exhaust enough to get it to pull the exhaust outside when you put that, that vertical exhaust right next to the barrel like that to make it an easy-to-use system. So I, I, we've just got so many people coming here, and it's their first experience with rocket mass heaters that we finally got to the point of saying like you know what let's make all of our systems easy to use we'll sacrifice some of the efficiency in order to have a system that's easy to use i i think that what you've done here is really rather brilliant i've never seen anybody run the exhaust through the barrel like that before um and that that definitely works and i think i think another thing to point out is is that I think all of the innovators are making a strong move towards stratification chambers instead of the old school system, which is to route the exhaust through a duct down to the far end of the bench and then back so that way you can have your vertical exhaust next to the barrel. Yeah, well, you end up with hot spot a lot better, a lot worse hot spots and cold spots when you're using a, a duct through a cob bench, uh, and it's a lot more expensive. Um, the uh, the rocket, there's two rockets in my house because it's a long, thin. It's a lot like your 
the double wide you live in. Uh, very similar layout. Um, only uh, imagine that your garage was uh, attached to the house uh, and was a sunroom, and and that's where the kids' bedrooms are. So we built another one out there, uh, and we actually buried the stratification chamber uh, in the floor, um, and uh, so that it was a step down. Um, and that's where the uh, that's where the little guy plays Legos and loves loves being, because um, uh, it's a it's big enough to lay down on, but it's also a place to step through. Okay. All right, I've got that's all my notes on the season extender. Is there anything else you want to say about the season extender? Mm, I'm I'm. Building another one of those in uh, the end of January uh, in a greenhouse uh, here in Northeast Ohio, uh, and uh, it's going to be um, uh, incorporating several of the things we learned there. So I'm excited to see how it does um, uh, in a greenhouse um, and uh, and report back on that. Oh, awesome! I hope you post pictures to the uh, the the thread about it at Permies. I shall. I oh, shall. Oh, good. So, um, in fact, you know, uh, earlier you were talking about uh, you know the exchange of information at Facebook, and I and I kind of feel like, no, 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 don't do it on Facebook. Do it at Permies. <laughs> and, and now I. Well, I've- for the for the thing at I'm, Facebook, how many people do you suppose looked at that at Facebook? Uh, many hundreds actually. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a fairly big group, and um, and it does have the benefit of automatically translating into other languages. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it needs to be on Permies, and it also needs to be on Facebook. Uh, I've been posting some things on Permies, but I, I'll I'll be able to get more of it done as I get through this build. Okay. Well, um, uh, see now, Permies is different, and Permies is for perennial discussion, and I just generally hate Facebook, but um, (laughs) a a couple of very important things. One is, is that I believe that you go to Google to look for things, and it won't show you stuff on Facebook, but it will show you stuff on Permies. Yeah. Uh, Another thing is is that uh, um, you had several hundred people looking at that information out at Facebook, and then um, we made the thread out of Permies like a few days later uh, using those images. And uh, I'm looking at the thread right now. It's already had 10,223 views. Excellent. So I kind of feel like there's 20 times more people looking at it at Permies than there are at Facebook. So there's I I I would like to suggest fuck Facebook, yeah, but that's just me, uh, you know. And instead have these discussions. Where, now of course there's also Donkey's Board too. Now I don't know. Yes, we, we, we must mention Donkey's Board. Donkey's yeah. board uh, is is a different way of discussing things, and uh, and actually has benefits that um, uh, that make people uh, appreciate them. Appreciate it, you know. I uh, I, I, I like to use the Ford versus Chevy uh, comparison. Um, that uh, there are definitely reasons that uh, 
people like a Ford or a Chevy or uh, or my Toyota. I mean that uh, um, uh, and uh, and they're all something that uh, uh, that you should actually uh, that one should actually pay attention to the benefits of. Um, Hermes definitely has um, a large audience that uh, uh, Facebook doesn't have. Facebook uh, has some benefits for conversation, including on-the-fly translation. Um, and um, Donkey Forums uh, has the benefit of being uh, something of an archive of, um, of uh, what uh, of the history of this thing and what has worked and hasn't that, uh, um, that neither of the other two has uh, quite as much of. Um, and the, the conversations uh, uh, tend to be a bit more technical. And uh, I do appreciate that uh, uh, it was refreshing to go into the Permies conversation and have all the, I know you are, but what am I, edited out that Facebook <laughs> seems to like. Um, uh, it did, uh, uh, that was, that was quite refreshing. So, um, so yes, three great resources. Um, and, uh, the, uh, and the workshops, um, I'm kind of trying to figure out what, uh, what, uh, we want to build using rocket technology at the, um, uh, at the appropriate technology, uh, uh, workshop. Well, I I kind of feel like at the well at the ATC this last year, um, Tim Barker uh, rebuilt again. I think it's the fourth time he's rebuilt his rocket oven. Um, and uh, and then of course uh, there were the two uh, hot water heaters, rocket hot water heaters, and he overhauled the one up by the showers. And then he built the one down at the dishwashing station from scratch during the ATC um, 2017. And, of course, you, sir, are running the 2018 ATC, and um, your passions in appropriate technology are slightly different than Tim. But, yeah, it's like, uh, uh, what might you build? Now, there is something that people fiddled with a bit during the jamboree that never got completed that maybe it's time to get it completed at the ATC. And um, uh, in fact, a part that we got in because Tim requested it, but he never did build it, is that um, Fresnel lens. Mm-hmm. Maybe the thing that could be done would be to make something of – a, and and the, the function that we were going to do was to uh, uh, build something where you could put like you could like a, a our own glass recycling station. And so then at the jamboree, people were trying to build something where they could melt glass using a, a rocket uh, uh, a rocket mass heater core. And and so then uh, I'm not sure if they ever did melt glass, or not, but I saw a lot of things that they built. Um, I kind of feel like, yeah, it'd be great to have a rocket thing that could melt glass, and it would also be cool to have a solar thing that would melt glass. <laughs> Is that yeah. a, Did you just flush a toilet? <laughs> I just stuck something in the microwave again. Okay. So, uh, um, 
I, I, I don't know. Those would be some things, some ideas. But let's get to that in a moment. This podcast is continued in part three. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.